So hello, Dora, and welcome to the Gemini's Journey podcast. I guess we should let you start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Hello, Gemma. It's lovely to be here. So my full name's Dora Frankel. I trained at Rombe School. I, I wanted to dance from the age of three. And I did, obviously, loads of evening classes, and they got more and more serious as I got older. And then I was lucky enough to audition for Rombe and get in immediately. And I had the most fantastic time. I mean, it was really tough, any vocational training is. Um, It was particularly tough for me because halfway through my training, I was quite ill, which is why I also trained as a choreologist. But I loved the school and we did all the classical ballet subjects, but we also were the first school, apart from London Contemporary Dance School, to actually teach Graham Technique. So that tells you how long ago that was. <laughs> and, and then since then, I know you're going to ask me more about my career, but since then I've had this very eclectic, um, wonderful career in various different countries. Wow. So yeah. you mentioned there about a choreologist. So what is the difference between a choreographer and a choreologist? Well, a choreographer is somebody who creates dance. And it's quite a broad term because some people uh, work more almost like movement directors and some people are very specific and work very much with steps. But that's what a choreographer is. You make and create dances. Um, But a choreologist is actually a dance notator. So you really, um, I use a particular system generally. It's called Benish Movement Notation. And you'll find, if people are curious, if they uh, look on the big company websites, they will see choreologists. Because obviously, a choreologist is writing down dance steps, Mm -hmm. writing down all the stuff about the production. They will also rehearse it. um, And they're really, really useful. But you know, they cost, like any rehearsal director or rehearsal person, they, they obviously cost money. But I was I was very lucky. I did a two-year training. In those days, it was three years. So I did three years at Rombe. Actually, it was longer because of the break, uh, because I was unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually four years. Well, three years with that year break or half-year break, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And then I did two years as a dance notator. And then I went off and, you know, joined these big companies, Rombert first, which was great. <laughs> so this podcast is called Gemma's Journey. So I'm interested in, in your dance journey, because like I said at the start, you know, you're interested in, in dance at a very, very small age. So how did that sort of progress to, to where you are now? <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny because um, my mum always used to say, you just suddenly said, Dora, that you wanted to dance. Um I think the only dance person in the family was my aunt who, you know, kind of did some classes and that was it. But she obviously had a dance skill. And I then, by the time I was three and a half, (laughs) mum had found a class for me. So I started these evening classes and the first teacher wasn't great. The second teacher was amazing. I still remember the experience. Um... And then again, the third teacher wasn't great. And then the fourth teacher, 
was amazing. And I stayed with her right through until I left for Rombe. And what was great about this woman was um, she was ambitious, she was serious. She didn't overemphasize shows. We do small things. And she taught me RAD, which is Royal Academy of Dance Ballet. So I'd only done ballet until I went to Rombe. And then I did my time at Rombe, and it was, you know, ballet and part de deux and repertoire and Spanish dance and it amazing. And Anne Graham technique and a little bit touchy on choreography, which was also great. Um, then worked part time, both teaching, but also I continued to study. I started to study um, kind of slightly more alternative techniques already then and then I you know started to be this dance notator and on graduating from there and that was also an excellent training because we were training physically but we were also spending a lot of time analyzing music uh learning to notate um I did I, I did my placement with what was then called London Festival Ballet and is now English National Ballet. Oh, wow. And I did, I notated a whole uh, ballet by Fokin. Wow. It, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And then I went into Rombert and I had a fantastic time. I learned so much and I had so many role models and I performed as well as notating. I then went on to American Ballet Theatre and it wasn't really conscious, but one of my great role models who is uh, the now deceased, but fantastic choreographer Glenn Tetley, encouraged me to um, pop up and see them mm -hmm. in New York. <laughs> when I so happened to be in, in, where was I? I was in Baltimore doing some guest work. Anyway, they offered me the job as choreologist. It was extraordinary. Um, I, again, I learned so much. I mean, I was, in a sense, a small cog in a very famous, very fantastic company. <laughs> but my goodness, what you learn. And I went from there to Sweden. And I worked for the Royal Swedish Ballet as choreologist. And I began, again, a fantastic experience, particularly there were a number of choreographers who were very, very ancient. And I was you know, lucky enough to still be able to work with them. And I, but I was itching to dance more. I, I felt that, you know, I, I was working for all these big companies and it was all very fabulous, but, but I just wanted to create more and dance more. I wanted to test myself. And I went into freelance, into freelance work. I won't give you all the details, but it was very, very hard work. Mm -hmm. um, I think I made some mistakes, but I think I did some really interesting stuff. And I was still going backwards and forwards between England and Sweden. And I so happened to take a year as a ballet mistress in Malmo and met, reproduced a, a piece I created. So I had begun to create work, which was fabulous. They were both, I think I'd done, um, I'd done a little cabaret number, but the, the significant works were two pieces. And one of them I recreated when I was ballet mistress and I was performing there for Malmo Ballet. And I met, uh, I was using an actor and cut long story short, fell in love, got engaged, got married. So obviously we're settling in Sweden. 
But we weren't that settled because he was offered a fantastic job in Finland. And uh, I then joined him. So I worked for about four years, no, definitely four years in Finland um, in a theatre. And I'm slowing my voice down because this is my theatre experience and it was absolutely unforgettable and definitely shaped uh, so many things. You know, it was a new era in my life, I suppose. So I worked for this theatre company and it was like, I suppose you'd say it was a bit like Northern Stage. Mm -hmm. It was a big regional company and they did dance they had but they had their own ensemble so we would create shows uh Shakespeare from Shakespeare to uh modern playwrights uh, Swedish playwrights and um devised work and dance theater um musicals everything and I was obviously dancing quite a lot, but I was also learning how to do productions. And I was also learning how to assist directors. And I was even learning how to stage manage. So it was amazing. And then we headed back to Sweden. Um, by then I we had a daughter and she lives on the other side of the world. So <laughs> now, but we all returned, you know, to Sweden. And after more freelance years, which were much more successful, but I was still itching for something a bit more solid. Mm -hmm. And I'd created uh, a couple of solo shows, which I was pleased with, but you know, it was quite hard to sell them. I'm sure you know about that up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up um, with this amazing job. I was the first, uh, there was a big, big school in a suburb of Gothenburg. And they had got, they were starting a theatre and dance programme. And they were looking for one theatre teacher to kind of head it up and one dance teacher to head it up. And I got that job. And it was just, I had such freedom. So I spent nearly 10 years building these various dance programmes um, in Sweden and or in this school in the suburb and, uh, you know, really devising my teaching methodologies and creating a lot of student work. Uh, but it was a very high standard. I mean, people went on to the place and Laban and, you know, uh, are running dance programs across Sweden. It was, it was really pre-vocational standard. Uh, I was so, you know, but I did get burnt out, I confess. Um, so I headed back to England to do an MA in choreography, um, tested my choreographic skills yet again. Um, and I, as I was completing it, I made the decision to actually stay in England. And I knew that I didn't want to uh, create a London-based company. I didn't want to fight that. I wanted because my experience in the regions in Gothenburg is a powerful regional city, the second city of Sweden, and in Vasa, which is also a very important regional city in uh, Finland. I knew that I wanted to make a regional dance company and I had the opportunity to, uh, I got this part-time job at Newcastle College. So I split my week between my work at the college and creating 
work and creating a company up here. Wow. What a career. You, you've travelled all around the world. You need to, need to write a book, Dora. <laughs> well, do you know, I'm attempting it, but I'm quite a bad writer. I'm a better speaker. So, <laughs> so watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's think of your career now and going towards more about how you actually create a dance piece. What, what inspires you? What is your creative process when you want to create a new piece of dance? Well, I think it's changed quite a bit, but I think, which is good. I mean, it'd be awful if I was doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, what I think really triggers my ideas are these kind of, um, I can only think of the Swedish word, when you kind of encounter maybe a visual, you know, a piece of visual art or a piece of music or, or, or um, that really gets those inspirational juices going. Mm -hmm. um, so in the early days, I mean, now I have great concerns about the environment. So a lot of my work really involves that. But in the early days, I was, um, some of my themes were based on what students said, actually. So we, but for instance, we did um, a huge piece called Café de Sombre, which was a cafe and sombra means shadow. So all the different people coming and going in the cafe had sort of some dark stories, but also some very celebratory stories. Um, and then I did a piece, again, it was at student level and it was called The Secret Garden. And it wasn't based on the book, it was based on this idea that you have a secret garden inside you. So I think as I matured, I found that I was making work about our inner landscape. And, and when I came out to Newcastle, I was encouraged to also kind of make work around being a new person to Newcastle. And I made a work inspired by the bridges, mm -hmm. which was great because, of course, the visual element of the bridges then triggered me to research behind that. Um, I, did, I did a piece about I went to Barcelona and I came back and I did a piece that was inspired both by uh, a park in in Barcelona it's very famous but also by the music of a Finnish composer called Raúl Tavara so there was a kind of environment you know colliding with this amazing music uh, and then I found that I kind of wanted to dig into the dark side of life a little bit without being gruesome um so now i mean a lot of people will know this film touch the beast and that is a really dark i mean it's very sensual and you know and i know it's really beautiful and the performance is amazing and everything but it is very dark as well and it's in, inspired by edgar Allan poe's stories and i realize i've now done two substantial works around poe's stories so it's a bit like you know, the short answer, Gemma, is anything that triggers a visceral reaction to me, mm. um, in me, could trigger a dance. Plus, my concerns about my love of the environment, mm. partly from living in Scandinavia, and, and my concerns around climate change. Yeah. 
which is obviously really important, you know, now more than more than ever. Um, so you set up Dora Frankel Dance in Newcastle. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so I mentioned it earlier, didn't I? I said that I wanted to make a regional company. Yeah. And um, Newcastle has always had a good dance scene, but it was quite fragile then. It was quite small when I came up. And uh, Dora Frankel Dance was really... Um, it was a project-based company, though we became a community interest company as well. Um, and it combined Northeast-based tours. It was great. You know, we did a lot of touring around the Northeast and a lot of education work and a lot of work that could be done in unusual settings. So once I'd done these first works that were called, uh, I did this trilogy, Time and Motion Trilogy, um, I was even exploring the, you know, the, the underground areas of, of Newcastle. Um, I then headed out, I did a piece that could, was premiered in a gallery, and that was called Different Spaces, Different Sounds. Lots of people saw a lovely little story there, but that wasn't my intention. But we worked with older people on that as well. Um, and it, and that, so there was a lot of quite varied work, but it was all work that could be toured. And it was generally three or four dancers. Um, and then kind of in 2000, so that was already, I did the first piece already in 2003. And by 2005, six, I think 2004, I got money from the Arts Council already. They were wonderful, really generous, really supportive. And um, by kind of two, five, six, I was getting these tours going and things really kicked off. Uh, well, I suppose around 2007, 2008. And then 2013, uh, I was encouraged to apply. There was no actual money, but it was kind of a commission, apply for the very first Northeast, uh, the Festival of the Northeast. And they did all the marketing. I was in the brochure and blah, blah, blah. And I know we were at the only dance performance and we did a fantastic tour. And we we were three dancers. Well, I wasn't dancing, so there were three dancers. And none of them actually from the Northeast, though I often worked with dancers from the Northeast, but not always. I was also working with dancers from Europe because in those days, of course, everybody could come and go um and I worked for the second time with this extraordinary composer Peter Coit and we toured entirely outdoors until we got to Dance City for the gala and I was really proud of that work in fact when I did the retrospective I mean I was proud of the dancers and the musicians you know and the tour and everything um when, when I did my retrospective in 2021, we did a shortened version. And um, from there, it, I, I, I mean, I, I felt that very much that we needed to expand beyond the Northeast, mm -hmm. but it was proving quite tricky. And that's when I was encouraged to slightly revision the company and really concentrate on... Um, Newcastle-based dancers really nurture them because our education was successful, very successful. Um, 
and that's when I transitioned to fertile ground. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that as well, about fertile ground and how that sort of became. I, well, I think, I think we could have gone on, but I think we were struggling to grow. And as I say, I wanted, I wanted a tour down south. And I think we were seeing very much, I didn't have a producer and I, maybe, you know, and I didn't have a tour booker, so I was doing everything myself. And it was a bit like, we need to up our game, but we also need to, because I've done so much work, begin to think about a bit more about what is important for, for the region. Because I was so well established by then, you know, pretty much every year we were doing something. Um, and we did a kind of rethink and brought some people in to talk and with us and everything. And that's when we shifted to Fertile Ground. The main aim of Fertile Ground, of course, we're still going and we're a charity and I'm still a trustee. The aim was to work with young dancers, emerging dancers from professional trainings. So not a community group, but a professional company but kind of um, postgraduate level and to give them that kind of experience that we had Dora Frankel Dance had been doing but to start commissioning choreographers from outside of the region so that I might do one work per season um, and then we'd have two guest choreographers which was great because we were bringing choreographers to the region who perhaps had never been or had only been once and we were also working with with dancers who we hope would come out of that experience uh with a huge rise in their skill set so that they could keep getting work frankly wow so i mean because i mean when I, when I was like studying dance and performing arts the idea was you had to go to london and london was the place to be but i think now you know you know more than more than me you know that you can you know it doesn't have to be in your castle but you know you can sort of get opportunities within dance and then any art form really in in the regions that you're, that you're living in yeah you're right i mean it's it's hard now but um i'll be honest it's the Arts Council suffered many cuts. I mean, I think it was as much as 30%. And it, it means that people are struggling more. But certainly, I would agree that the dance sector in the Northeast is much stronger. Yeah. People do stay. Mm. Or if they go to London, I mean, we've kind of shifted our vision a bit with Fertile Ground and kind of said, you don't have to be directly out of a training, but you need to feel that you're only half a step on the ladder and that you've maybe got some experience but it's not a, you know it's not intense or it's a, wasn't that well paid and so we think more of emerging dancers which means somebody might have gone to London might have trained in London might even have struggled for a while to get work in London but they can come back and work with Fertile Ground. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. I mean, I think of it as a, a, a bit of a circle. And what's interesting, it's not just dancers who come back to us, it's other people as well. Yeah. Um, you know, filmmakers and, and maybe even people who are on the board and, and so on. Mm -hmm.
um, I suppose it's important to say that once I stepped aside uh, as artistic director of Fertile Ground, um, and it's now run by Renaud Weiser and Malgoz Artaziazon, I initially thought, oh, I'm just going to relax a bit. And then I made this film, Touch the Beast. And out of Touch the Beast, I formed an ensemble. So what we do, I mean, we don't work uh, anything like as much as I did when I you know, ran companies, but we come together when the, there's an idea, when I want to do a piece. And um, that's why I call Dora Frankel Ensemble. We work incredibly democratically, very much as equals. Um, they're all based in London. And I quite often still work with Peter Coy, or I mean, I'm very interested in live music actually. So that's one thing I do. At the moment, we're in a bit of a lull, um, but I'm working on some teaching. Um, I have a project called Embodying the Archive. Uh, I'm looking back at works I did, significant works, like these Poe-based works. And um, I'm going to be teaching pro class at Dance City. Wow. So for anybody listening about that, yeah. um, I'm at Dance City in November. And I just posted my dates. They're the 8th, 15th and 22nd. I'm um, doing some writing and I also review. So anybody who's interested in my reviews, I write for British Theatre Guide. I've just reviewed, oh, I reviewed Girl from the North Country at Theatre Royal. I reviewed Rendezvous. I'm going to be reviewing Samsara, which is coming up. So... I keep my finger in the pie and um, what else do I do? Oh yeah, I do mentor. I have um, a mentor, uh, I have a mentee at the moment. She's fantastic, but I try and not, you know, I, I work in a much more spaced out, uh, lighter way than I used to because of course I used to work about 70 hours a week uh, or 60 hours a week. But I think it's, and I'd be very keen to go back to Sweden and do a res residency. But of course, all these things are much harder um, because of Brexit, yeah. I'm afraid to say. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, not part of a choice when it comes to reviewing. You know, as you're a fellow reviewer myself, you know, we've got so many fantastic venues in the yeah. Northeast. You know, you, you know, it's not part of a choice, but so many options. <laughs> yeah, in fact, though, it's nice, Gemma, because I said that, I only wanted to review dance and British Theatre Guide is is really very relaxed. I mean, not relaxed in a silly way, but it give me it's very flexible, that's the word. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much choose and say I'm gonna do this, this and this, so that I'm not I mean, last week I did three, but normally I only do one a week most. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you know, it is nice. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dora, for being on my podcast today. You've been lovely to listen to and speak to. I do appreciate it. Thank you again so much. Thank you very much, Gemma, for inviting me. I think that was absolutely lovely. Thank you for listening to the Gemma's Journey podcast. If you like this episode, please do like it, subscribe, and of course, share with all your friends. And if you're a new listener, Hello, you're more than welcome to stay and of course listen to other episodes of my podcast as well. So thank you again for listening.